KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Good morning, I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, May 26th. The city signs the franchise deal with SDG&E. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The latest numbers from San Diego County Public Health officials show that hospitalizations from the coronavirus have dropped into the double digits. On Tuesday, the county reached 70 percent of its goal to vaccinate 75 percent of residents 12 and older by June 15th, when all remaining COVID-19 restrictions are lifted. The federal government has allocated over $300 million in COVID-19 relief funds to San Diego County. County Supervisor Jim Desmond wants $40 million of that funding to go to first responders and military families with rent and mortgage payments. They're the ones that are willing to put their lives on the line for us. They're the ones that when a fire is burning, they don't run away from it or they run to it. And so when we had this uh, COVID uh, experience, they're the ones that ran out ahead and tried to make it all safe for the rest of us. And so we owe them a, a bit of gratitude. San Diego authorities charged a 28-year-old woman, now identified as Viviana Quinones, with a felony battery after she allegedly attacked a flight attendant on a plane bound for San Diego. The flight attendant suffered injuries to her face, including losing two teeth. The incident is a sign of an escalation of unruly behavior by airline passengers across the country. It's led the flight attendant's union to ask for more federal air marshals on planes. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. On Tuesday, the San Diego City Council approved a 20-year contract that keeps SDG&E as the city's sole electricity and gas provider. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says it was a contentious vote. Under the agreement, the utility's shareholders will pay the city a total of $110 million. Activists have been pressuring Mayor Todd Gloria to cut a shorter-term deal with SDG&E, which they say reaps massive profits while charging homes and businesses some of the highest energy rates in the country. But Councilmember Marnie Von Wilpert said the deal was a reasonable compromise. The mayor pushed really hard to build transparency, compliance, and accountability into this tough negotiation. We have an audit for the first time ever. We have a Citizens Oversight Committee for the first time ever. So for these reasons, I think the mayor got a better deal and I will be voting yes. The city can exit the deal after 10 years, but would have to refund SDG&E a portion of the revenue guaranteed in the deal. And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Activists were at San Diego City Hall on Tuesday to protest the city budget proposed by San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria that would increase funding for police. KPBS's Joe Hong spoke with some of the protesters about where that money should go. Who's budget? Our budget! Who's budget? 
Community leaders from across San Diego spoke out against Gloria's proposal to increase the police department's budget by $19 million. John Wee Tran is an organizer with the Center on Policy Initiatives based in San Diego. When the new mayor, um, when Mayor Gloria ran for his campaign with the slogan, Mayor for All of Us, and his budget does not reflect that it is for all of us. Almost exactly a year after the murder of George Floyd, activists like Tran are asking why this money isn't going towards addressing homelessness or building parks for low-income neighborhoods. We're advocating for at least $10 million reduction in police over time and shift the homeless, um, the, the police function that uh, respond to the homelessness um, out of the police department and to path who are better equipped. Junea Wall is a member of the San Diego chapter of the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. She said more money should be going to dismantling the school-to-prison pipeline. Focus on youth service, children and youth services for them to succeed. Academically, creatively, whatever space they want to go into, we need to have those programs. In defense of his budget, Gloria said most of the increases due to pension costs that are mandated by law. Also, supporters of the police have cited a jump in violent crime as justification for the increases. San Diego City Council members will present their amendments to the budget during a public meeting on Wednesday. The final budget will be approved by June. And that was KPBS's Joe Hong. The county is spearheading cross-border efforts to help vaccinate workers employed in Baja, California. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more on the trans-border collaboration. At a time when vaccines are at a surplus in California, the county is making efforts to vaccinate 10,000 maquiladora workers from Tijuana. A line on a map does not stop our shared economy. A line on a map does not stop our shared culture and community. The County Board of Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher announced a new pilot project to vaccinate maquiladora employees at six United States subsidiary companies. Aside from the county's weekly vaccine allotment, the board was able to request 10,000 additional Johnson & Johnson vaccines from the state to be used for the vaccination efforts. With Mexico's vaccine rollout moving at a slower pace than California, Fletcher says it's the right thing to do. We have more vaccines than are being utilized, and we are in a position as a state to be a good neighbor and a good partner. As of Tuesday, 68% of eligible San Diegans have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Meanwhile, the health department in Baja California is still working to vaccinate vulnerable populations and has struggled to provide second doses within the recommended time frame. Fletcher highlighted the importance of making sure Mexico, our biggest trading partner, has a healthy workforce. We also know that that border crossing, both in people but in goods and commerce, is vital to the economy of both of our countries and both of our regions. The Consul General of Mexico, Carlos Gutierrez, says the vaccine will be at no cost to workers. Vaccines are free. However, there is an administrative fee which is covered directly by the employers. No U.S. taxpayer money is being used for this initiative. UC San Diego Health will be vaccinating about 1,500 maquiladora workers each day at a mobile clinic site in San Isidro. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. 
Coming up, a new agreement between the ACLU and the Biden administration means that more asylum seekers can now cross into the U.S., despite a Trump-era ban that remains in place. People now saying the tent next to me is leaving because they're crossing to the U.S. finally, and that brought hope to people in the encampment, which also made people a lot more desperate for them to hear their, their cases first. Who can enter the U.S. and who has to stay in Mexico? That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. asylum seekers have been allowed to enter the United States, but they have to get their names put on a list. KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler was on the ground in Tijuana as it was decided who has to stay and who could enter. The migrant camp in El Chaparral Plaza in Tijuana has only grown in recent weeks. Hundreds of asylum seekers from Central America, from Africa, from the Caribbean, Wait for the day the United States fully restores its asylum system along the southwest border. But for the first time since the camp sprung up in February, there's some hope. A few families who have been living here are getting into the United States, escaping the cramped and dangerous spaces of the haphazard camp. I mean, these are terrible conditions. You know, you have kids that are running around. Uh, it wasn't until recently that uh, the local government put in uh, bathrooms and showers, um, and so it's been a struggle for them. That's Pedro Rios with the American Friends Service Committee. His organization is one of the few groups still making trips to the camp to offer support, face masks, hygiene kits, and some advice about this new way to safely enter the United States. It's part of a deal struck between the American Civil Liberties Union and the Biden administration stemming from a lawsuit challenging a migrant expulsion policy known as Title 42. The deal now allows for 250 families or individuals to enter the United States along the southwest border each day to pursue their asylum claims. Deciding who ends up on the list that gets sent to the U.S. government is up to these service providers on the ground in Tijuana. It's based not on their claims of asylum from their home countries, but how much danger they face in Mexico. Robert Vivar is swamped as he tries to make it through the encampment, looking for someone whose case he's looking into. You know, you can imagine how many uh, parole requests you know, are being handled at this time, just at this port of entry alone. He's with United U.S. Deported Veterans and has an office just down the block from the camp. Dozens of people ask him when they'll get a call back from overworked immigration lawyers or tell him their child is sick and in danger. There's just no way for Vivar to help everyone, but he's trying. It's kind of difficult, you know, to tell people to have patience when 
they're, you know, running away because of persecution, you know, it's not safe, you know, where they're coming from, or, or even here, you know, they've, uh, they've had threats, you know, that they've been followed, and it's just, it's, it's a difficult situation for them, and you can understand why they would be so desperate. Right now, the focus has been to locate pregnant women, people with pressing medical needs, and those in immediate danger in Mexico. But migrants without working papers or homes are constantly under threat in Mexico. Rafa Interiano, a member of the LGBT community, is one of those people who could have a strong asylum case were he allowed into the U.S. He says he fled Honduras after his house was burned down, he was beaten, and his friends were killed. Under the current arrangement, he's not being prioritized. He says it's been hard because the volunteer lawyers that come, they're asking for families, for people with serious illnesses. So he can't find representation. It's really hard to be alone for a situation like this one. Every morning and afternoon, Customs and Border Protection agents call out names at the port of entry in Tijuana. Late Thursday afternoon, several families entered the United States to begin an asylum process that will take years to resolve. Dulce Garcia, the executive director of Border Angels, spent three weeks working in the encampment, finding the people who can get to safety now. People now saying, the tent next to me is leaving because they're crossing to the U.S. finally, and that brought hope. Garcia hopes that this system won't last much longer. Pressure is growing on the Biden administration to drop Title 42 and restore the asylum system along the border. Until that happens, the encampment at El Chaparral won't be going anywhere, Robert Vivar says. As people leave, more people take their spot. Max Rivlin-Adler, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.